It is good to see you and to be together with you on this beautiful Sunday. A little cool outside, but it's, it's so nice in here and it's so good to be together. And we welcome everyone to this place on this day as we continue thinking together about gratitude. This commitment Sunday was mentioned and hopefully you have the cards and have been praying about that. And we'll give you a chance to respond later on. But let's begin with a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to begin with verse 7. We're picking up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning now with verse 7. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work, as it is written. He scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Time does seem to fly when we're being grateful, doesn't it? Today is the fifth Sunday that we have collectively been placing our feet and hopefully our hearts on the gratitude path. Let me review those first four Sundays and bring some things to our remembrance and then we'll move on from there. On October the 14th, we talked about the importance of just saying thank you. When we're not sure what else to say, just say thank you. And the scripture lesson was the ten lepers, that familiar story from Luke's gospel of the ten who were healed, and the one who thought, who was inspired or motivated or convicted to come back and say thanks to Jesus. On October the 21st, we talked about the willingness, the ability to give thanks in all circumstances, following Paul's instructions from 1 Thessalonians. The significance of a preposition becomes obvious at this point. We are called to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Gratitude is not rendered helpless by the difficulties that we face in this world. Gratitude is a greater power than all that would seek to overcome us. On October the 28th, we considered give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed together, packed down, firmly shaken, overflowing will fall into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get in return. And then last Sunday was All Saints Day. And we paused and took just a moment to call the names of the saints from this congregation who have left us since this time last year to give thanks for them and for the way that they taught us how to keep our feet on the gratitude path throughout this life and how to become persons of graciousness and generosity.
Today we continue down the gratitude path, gaining our hope, confidence. As we come nearer and nearer to our destination, which is generosity. There's no way to walk down the gratitude path without arriving eventually at generosity. And the key verse today, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In the book, The Gratitude Path, which has been one of our guides, one of our maps for this adventure, the author, Kent Millard, states the obvious in chapter four. He says, sometimes we give grudgingly or we give out of obligation. Since we made a commitment to support the church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, we look at it or giving to the church as an obligation, like maybe belonging to the country club and paying our dues. And there has to be more to it than that, he says. That's not the way it all works. But sometimes we give out of obligation. We want to give our fair share. We want to pay our dues on time, or so we say. And so we give out of the pressure of obligation. And sometimes when that happens, we miss the cheerful piece of this equation. The writer goes on to state that we sometimes give out of guilt. And sometimes we give simply to support a a budget, a church budget. Church leaders, not here, heard it in other places, heard it across the years. Church leaders have been known to say, if you want the church to have its doors open for your funeral, you better start giving a little better. I don't know about you, that doesn't inspire me very much. That uh, That would not cause me to reach for my wallet or my checkbook. But when we give just to keep the doors open, so to speak, just to meet the obligations, then we give out of duty and obligation. And that's not an altogether bad thing. But again, we're called to give out of glad and generous hearts with a cheerful spirit from the God who has blessed us immensely. When folks are encouraged to give on the basis of obligation or guilt or to meet a budget, We're focusing more on the church and its needs rather than on God and God's generous gifts to us. Our focus should be on God and the way God has already blessed us to overflowing. Can't contain it, can we? God has been so good. When we count our many blessings from God, our hearts are filled with gratitude. And we want to give cheerfully and joyfully. Paul told the Jesus followers there in Corinth that God had already provided them with everything they need to have a full life. Do you think Paul would say that same thing to most of us? Have we been given what we need to have a full life in this world? That God has already provided us with everything we need to live a full life. All of our needs, maybe not all of our wants. That's a different thing altogether, isn't it? There are two problems that I see, and maybe a lot more when we focus on our wants more than our needs. The first is that we might not get all we want. Imagine that. And then sometimes we get frustrated and upset, like a child at a birthday party who doesn't quite understand yet. And the second problem is that we might get everything we want and still find ourselves unfulfilled, shallow, and hollow 
because we don't have what we think we want and need. So our focus should be thanking God for the abundance of blessings, for the joy those things bring into our hearts, and remembering. I think it's the primary one of the primary creeds of the church. I think it's foundational to the Old and New Testaments. The children of Israel in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament, God blesses us, God is good to us, that we might in turn bless those around us and be a blessing to this world that God loves so much, God gave an only son. In his little book, and I do mean little, it's a short book and it's a small book, and if you don't have it, you might want to find it sometime and just look through it. You can read it in an hour or so. It's called The Treasure Principle, Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn's written several spiritual books and books on the Christian life and disciplines and so forth. But in this one, he has much to say about God loving a cheerful giver. And he begins by saying, this does not mean that we should give generously only when we're feeling cheerful. The cheerfulness comes afterwards, so oftentimes, after the act of obedience, not before it. So don't wait until you feel like giving. He said it could be a long wait. Just give and watch the joy follow. How many folks have never known that? We... That old expression I heard so much growing up, give till it hurts. Why not give till it feels good? Why not give till there's a joy in it that's beyond anything we can describe? God delights in our cheerfulness, he said, in giving. God wants us to find joy. God commands us to rejoice. There are some of God's commands that we, well, we're not too crazy about if we're honest with ourselves. But God commands us to rejoice. That should not be that difficult, should it? should not be a hard thing to do. Something we should want to do. What command he asked could be a greater pleasure to obey than that one. Rejoice. But if we don't give, we're robbed of that source of joy that God instructs us to seek. But don't we all know folks who seem to be allergic to joy and cheerfulness? If they give it all, they do so always with a sense of grumbling and complaining. They turn loose of it reluctantly. Paul Sampley said, giving must not be marked by the slightest degree of reluctance because then it is not freely giving. Giving is a delicate transaction, he said. If you put even the tiniest little string on the gift, then it's not truly a gift. I used to have, well, I still got it. I used to have it out in my office. It's in a box right now. I'll bring it back out later. A small metal sign I found several years ago at the Mast General Store in Waynesville, North Carolina. One of my favorite places to sort of hang out. I've considered seriously taking this sign to some meetings. I spend a lot of time in meetings, some weeks more than I should, I suppose. But so far, I've resisted that strong temptation. This is what the sign says. There will be a $5 charge for whining. <laughs> that sign inspired me, or maybe it provoked me, to write this short parable. Now, when I hear the word parable in church, I think, well, that's one of those little stories Jesus told. Don't blame this story on Jesus. This is something that, that I put together. 
There once was a church that met in a beautiful building situated on 10 acres in the suburbs, not far from the big city. At one time, it was known as the Can-Do Church of the County. But as the years passed by, it began to think of itself as the, we can't do that church. The church struggled to stay afloat with operating budget, and they were saddled with a multi-million dollar indebtedness. They had long ago quit trying to reach their community because their community didn't look like the way that they remembered that it had always looked like. One Sunday, someone hung a sign in front of the sanctuary. And the sign said there will be a $5 charge for whining. And people took the sign seriously. And before the next Sunday, the indebtedness was paid off. About 12, 15 years ago, Andy Stanley, and many of you know of Andy Stanley and have heard him, um, pastor, founding pastor of North Point Community Church, wrote a book. And again, it's another small book, and I would recommend it to you. You can read it quickly. It's called Fields of Gold. And let me share just a few of his thoughts out of the last chapter along the lines of what we're, we're talking about. He said, the crowning achievement of overcoming the fear of giving is the moment you begin to experience the joy of giving. You'll know you've gotten beyond your fear when you begin to experience joy and the act of giving. It may not happen instantly. It may come so gradually that you hardly notice it. But little by little, you'll know you've arrived when the thrill of making a financial impact begins to consume you and fill you with joy. He said the good is to, to discover the joy of giving in an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we do, our giving becomes an exciting, passion-filled act of worship. But at some point, giving, he said, must move from the have-to to the want-to column in our lives. That won't happen until we wrestle our fears to the ground. Is giving a passion for you, for me? Does it bring us joy? Does it feel like an act of worship? And those questions made me think about the way we and so many other local churches handle the offertory portion of our worship service Sunday after Sunday. The musical accompaniment is always excellent and always worshipful. But all too often, and I hear it from time to time in a sense that we view the offering as an interruption to worship or as a commercial break. And then we'll get back to the real reason that we are here. Would it be too much to say, too much of a stretch to say that some folks think of it as a necessary evil? How can we begin to transform the offering into a cheerful and joyful act of worship? I have a few suggestions for our consideration. Number one, prayerfully count our blessings during the offertory. I don't know what all folks think about during the offertory when the plates are being passed. How about spending some time thinking about all that God has done for us and on our behalf? Number two, always place something in the plate. I understand that some folks give electronically. Some folks mail their gifts in. Some drop them by our financial administrator's office. But what if we placed an additional gift in the plate or if we simply took one of the envelopes, wrote thank you, Lord, on it and dropped it in the plate? Nobody has to know if there's anything inside of it or not. 
Maybe we're setting an example in the eyes of a child or an adult who's new to the church. Just never know. Number three, don't sing the doxology as if it were a funeral dirge. (laughs) Doxology is defined as a spontaneous, sudden outburst of praise. Wow. Number four, the last one uh, for now. Think of your giving as an expression of gratitude to a gracious and generous God who loves us so much that he gave an only son. What's to stop us from thinking of the offering not as an oh, no kind of moment to a yes, God kind of moment? And it can be that way. Today's not only a cheerful giving Sunday, it's commitment Sunday, and we'll have a chance with those cards. If you would like to bring them and place them on the rail, you may have put them in the plate, and that's fine. You may send them in later. You may want some more time to pray about that and think about that. But we'll offer that time to make those commitments, not just financially, but prayers, presence, service, and witness as well. How are we doing? God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm thinking God must have really been loving on this church a lot recently because in so many ways we've been giving to others and making a difference. This morning, I wish you could have been in here. Some of you were. At 10 o'clock, his Bibles were given out to the first and second graders. What a powerful moment. Or downstairs in the other building as the flood buckets were put together, a part of them, we couldn't do them all today. We've been giving too much, and that's wonderful. We've had a team in Donaldsonville, Georgia, this past week, building some relationships and helping folks prepare to rebuild their lives and their homes after the hurricane. We've got more teams going. Every time you turn around up here, we have memorial services and folks surround people with love and food and care. And we do it at the cheerful, joyous spirit. And God's got to be loving on this church when that happens. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Of course, you've heard me say this before, and I can't help but say it again. God loves a cheerful giver. But God will take it from a grouch, so don't let that... (laughs) Don't let that hinder you if that's not where you are yet. When we open up and receive God's unconditional love that comes to us in Jesus Christ, our hearts are filled to overflowing with cheer and joy, and we give out of that abundance and not out of our leftovers. Sometimes we feel that if we give generously to God, then we'll have less for ourselves. That's always a fear. Well, I have enough to take care of me and my loved ones and all of our needs. If we give God some of our time and talent and treasure, we will have less time and talent and treasure to use as we choose. That's our thinking. But I'm not sure that's true. I believe the truth is that when we give out of generous and glad hearts to God, we are opened up and God continues to pour abundant love and blessings into our life more than anything we can count or even imagine. Joy and blessings. So we give to God joyfully and cheerfully out of the overflow of the blessings in our life and we don't have less. In some miraculous, marvelous ways, there is more with which to bless others. The old saying is you can't outgive God. And I believe that with all my heart. When we put our feet on the gratitude path, our hearts will be overflowing 
and a generous and cheerful spirit will come to us and who knows during the offertory a smile might break out on our face and if we are called home while we walk this gratitude path it just might take the funeral director two or three days to get the smiles off of our faces wouldn't that be grand Amen.